0: Uh... Should we go ahead and
1: get started? Thank you, everybody. Good. Hello. And this is uh, My name is Steve Schmidt. I represent a company called Admodem Investment Holdings. Uh, it may say alternative investment resource on your guide, but the description is actually for our holding company. I'm a partner of a private equity holding firm. We specialize in alternative assets, hedge funds, direct private equity, project transactions. Um, today we're going to talk about how to partner with a family office to close your deal. To my left, we have three distinguished panel members who will be able to address some of the questions I'm going to ask. So, why don't we help get started? And, gentlemen, if you could each spend a couple of minutes and give a background, uh, get your own background.
2: Sure. Hi, everybody. Nice to uh, see some familiar faces. Hope to meet some new ones. I'm with a single family office in Houston called Petrolucrum, uh, historically concentrated in real assets and operating businesses, but it's a generational trust today. Uh, investing across asset classes, um, ultimately uh, concentrated onshore USA. Um, definitely a, still a continued focus within oil and gas, but we invest in other operating businesses as well. We'll talk a little bit about some of the co-investment things we do as we move along.
0: I'm Jacques Bazinet, and my partner and I are Talus Holdings. We're a multifamily uh, developer. Uh, I got to the space by uh, spending 15 years in operations, uh, 25 years in professional development. And then recently, we've been doing uh, multifamily. Talus has been around for over 30 years. Uh, We've uh, developed over uh, 5,000 units in the last uh, couple years.
3: I'm uh, Fadi Iftimios. I'm with Group RMC. We do uh, real estate. We have a very uh, tight niche. We do office typically in secondary markets, what we call the unloved areas, although we love them. Um, We started out about 20 years ago. It was just a few families buying up property mainly in canada and uh did quite well we moved into the us about 10 years ago and we continue to look for the same type of uh metrics we look for very very high cap rates uh we like to buy assets at significant discounts to replacement costs for various reasons which i guess we'll we'll, we'll discuss a bit later on and uh and we're we conservatively approach these assets we we like the high irr but we don't like the risk that generally comes with that so we have a, a little bit of a different philosophy on that Thank you.
1: I'm gonna start with one question right away is, ideally, which structure best fits your organizations? So, Tim?
2: Yeah, well, ultimately we look at a number of different structures depending on the opportunity. Um, The, you know, private co-investment structures oftentimes will come with something that looks maybe more like a traditional private equity structure where uh, we'll look at some sort of, uh, you know, before payout or after payout type scenarios. Um, A lot of times, depending on the scenario, we'll uh, negotiate a a variety of different uh, features that may come along with that. Um, At the end of the day, I think that uh, we look to share the risk, ideally with partners, whether they're operators or other capital, and so trying to find a way that uh, affords for that is kind of typically the direction we're looking at. Um, The co-investment portion also typically will be viewed upon as strategic as well particularly if it's in an area that maybe we don't have the internal core expertise. Um, so these kind of, um, you know, before and after payout type of scenarios seem to make the most sense versus uh, other scenarios where maybe there's a lot more front-end promotes or different things of that nature. So a lot of time the, the payout comes first to us and the investment partners, and then there's other incentives that will kind of come along with that.
0: Good job. Yeah, we're just simple people. We like to keep it very simple. So our structure is if we're in a partnership with an investment group, we try to make sure that that uh, ownership is is shared and we're true partners. So we're not into uh, waterfalls or clawbacks or anything like that. We just, um, when the investment works, we, we all make money and uh, we try to minimize the opportunities where we don't. In 30 years, we've never lost, so it seems to be working. Uh, we certainly don't load fees like uh, acquisition fees or... Uh, uh, mortgage you're securing a new mortgage or disposal fees we don't we don't charge any of that we just uh, love having a we're more into relationships long-term relationships than we are into you know creating these deals that could uh, you know be sheltered from loss on one side or the other uh, we're in the market and we uh, sh- do the deals as simple as possible to make sure that it's very easy to understand the structure and that we both have an opportunity to uh, benefit as we uh, liquidate the assets
3: our structures are also quite simple a typical LP GP structure we are as partners we're LP and GP on uh, in, in each investment um, we have skin in the game every investment the partners are putting in um, generally the biggest amount of equity in every deal and we are true and quo investment group eighty percent of the investors in our deals are family offices single-family offices and about 85 percent of our investors come along in every deal so they like our structure. They like our philosophy. Uh, we're also, we think, very much like the LP side, the investors, where we don't charge management fees. We don't charge performance fees. Uh, so what do we do? We just take a little bit more equity on each deal, and we don't take it as a promo. We don't take any money out other than the distributions that all the investors get. So we we're, our focus is to be investor-friendly um, and and um, uh, and make money like our investors on the success of the portfolios that we purchase. And our, and our thing is in a sense to be, uh, no, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of you here clamoring for office in suburban markets. That's not a hot topic. And I'll tell you, we've been doing it for 20 years. No one's ever knocked on our door. Please, please, we want office in suburban markets. The more secondary markets, the better. That's never happened. And that's okay with us because demand drives up price. We want to be where there's not demand yet. There is more demand than five years ago, but we want to sort of be ahead and be able to, we're in accumulation mode. We're at about 14 million square feet, and our objective is to accumulate as much as possible until the demand shifts really to office space.
1: Thank you. Um, one step deeper on your, de- on your structure and your deals. Um, can you give a recent example of a deal, uh, that how it's structured? I mean, I gave it, you got the summaries, but one you really like when it comes to mind that blowed the best for you?
2: Start with yeah. So uh, again, as I'd kind of pointed out previously, really kind of looking for ways to share that risk is important to us. Um, you know, where everyone's bringing a certain level of skin in the game. So I think that the deals that have made a lot of sense in some cases have been uh, where there might be a a, a breakdown of certain cash flow that's used to pay back the preliminary investment. Uh, Upon being able to get to that point, then we can see kind of a shift or more of a heads-up approach on distributions. Um, So we've done this within real estate. We've certainly done this within operating businesses, oil field services, infrastructure-related, and the like. Um, so I think it's really going to end up being kind of that, that structure that's going to allow for managing that principal risk and then being able to share in that upside.
0: John? Sure. Yeah, so again, we keep it simple. Uh, de- regular deals for us look like, uh, w- because of our 30-year track record, we're able to secure uh, 90% uh, equity. Uh, sorry, debt. So you know, a deal for us would be a landowner coming and putting his land up. We open up a capital account for that contribution and then uh, fund the deal that way. And then, uh, you know, disperse uh, on liquidation. So we we try to keep it as simple as possible and um, very high leverage and high return.
3: Yeah, I, I think we're 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 really simple as well in the sense that we get a typically we get a deal under contract, and um, we'll get the deal under contract before we have the financing or equity raise in place. we we just raise equity. Well, we've. We've closed 100% of our deals. We've never not closed a deal, and we've never not got the financing. So we're pretty confident getting a deal under contract and within 90 days getting our DD done, our financing done, and all the equity raised. And we're t- we tend to be oversubscribed again in the co-investment world with family offices. It's it's I mean, the investors that come along tend to can write big checks, and more often than not, we're asking them to write a smaller check just because we need to leave room for other investors, because we really follow a co-investment philosophy where it's not a JV and most of our investors can buy the whole deal on their own, uh, but we want to really keep that co-investment philosophy so we'll leave as much equity as we can to each of the different groups involved. So why do we raise capital now? Just, we're just simply doing more deals uh, and bigger sizes, so we just continue to need to raise.
0: So if I Go could ahead. just share a... We, we've been similar all along. You've just said something <laughs> that makes it a little different. Uh, when we get into each property, we'd rather um, have uh, a smaller group of individuals participate in each property than to bring. It, it's true to say that a large percentage of our investors go from property to property, but we still, we, we'd rather not be dealing with you know 12 investors. We'd rather be dealing with one or two primary investors. Uh, so that, that is the first time that we, we are a little different.
3: Well, we've done a number of deals that were not—they bi- just not that big. They're smaller deals, and we would just buy it outright on our own. I mean, it just wasn't big enough to pull in other investors. We try to leave room, but, it, you know, it depends on the deal size.
1: Yeah.
3: Okay. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about new investors. When
1: you're approached by a family officer or investor, a new one, what's the process you go through? What's your
3: methodology? Bobby, we'll speak with you. Um, it's a, I, th- I find that's a really good question. You know, we have... You know, we see all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things. Some groups uh, like to go do really deep due diligence, and they want to get to know us, they want to get to know our strategy, they talk to our lawyers, our deal people, they want to meet everybody, you know, who makes the sandwiches in the kitchen, they want to know everybody. And um, one of my, my partner here, Mike, uh, was just on a due deal trip. We do these due diligence trips where uh, investors get invited along, spend a couple of days with the team, and they'll visit maybe six or seven cities in a couple of days. So Mike just got back uh, yesterday and they were in Minneapolis, they're in Kansas City, they were in, uh, I forget where else he was. Oh, he was in Cincinnati. They did a, they were in Chicago over the last couple of days and six, family, six families went along for the ride and basically they get to visit the properties, they visit the property managers, they visit the leasing brokers. Some uh, investors like that, they want to go really deep, uh, DD. And others just want to get to know us and our strategy, look at our track record, talk to a couple of people, and, uh, you know, typically it's all referrals, right? Uh, We've been dealing with these guys for 10 years, and this is how it works. And, you know, we introduce them as quickly as possible to the key people and to our investor relations team, and then we don't do much after that. (laughs) Okay, it's not already. (laughs) Jacques?
0: I don't know how much I could add uh, it's a people business you know so people could say you know we're, we're building commercial real estate or you're uh, working with investors you're you're working on pro formas. in the end it's a people business and we find that uh, selecting the right people to work with uh, that have characteristics that we are um, you know kindred spirits in uh, is uh, what we look for uh, rather than looking for uh, a certain uh, net worth or uh, deal points the, the people that we work with uh, are worth a lot more to us than the The deal points and the documents yeah. or the
1: relationships more important than the capital Yeah, so, Jim.
0: Yeah,
2: so ultimately we uh, operate as just a single-family office So we don't have any internal funds or structures like that. So co-investment is very much relationship-driven for us um, I'd say even a lot of the family offices I know we haven't, you know, sometimes we'll share deal flow uh, if it's relevant. Uh, a lot of times we're just comparing notes, but those types of relationships typically get developed over time. I think a lot of the folks that we've wanted to do stuff with, that there's similarities between our family offices um, has typically even still taken a couple of years before maybe we've gotten really serious in part because we're all doing a lot of stuff. And since we're not pushing investment product out to the marketplace, it's really circumstantial, um, you know, that, And I think we were echoing this conversation before it's not always about just identifying a capital partner but really the right capital partner. So if we're going into a particular type of oil and gas or a particular type of real estate or operating business. We're going to recognize our strengths and weaknesses and so if that partner brings a certain amount to the table in terms of that expertise on top of sharing that capital risk that's going to be most important for us. So I think everybody I typically approach, and the same thing goes for other outside managers or strategies that we might get involved with, is it's a relationship-building exercise, you know, and I tell people that's just the kind of the nature of the way things have gone. Of course, some of the co-investors that we're active with are folks that, you know, the family's been investing with long before even I was involved in, so... With the type of liquidity profiles uh, available, you know, generally we're not out there actively trying to develop new relationships. But, of course, being in the industry, being in the, the, uh, the circuit, so to speak, then, you know, obviously we entertain new relationships. But it definitely takes some time to cultivate that.
1: I want to go back to that time factor. Um, our hedge funds, we have about 200 million of assets under management. About 80% of our investors are our family offices. We find that it's um, or persevering, sticking with it. We find it could be as much as a year before someone decides to actually invest with us. Do you find that true as well in your businesses? Yeah,
3: yeah we do. I mean, it's um, um, for various reasons. Sometimes they just, they're closing something else on their own. They have another, I mean, a lot of family offices have a lot of deal flow. That's their, their challenge is to filter down and select a few that they'll actually spend more time. Uh, we're, we're doing, um, we have a new, invet- again, it's, I, I agree with what Tim was just saying there. It's a lot of, we're looking for like-minded people. I mean, we don't, you know, we want to have a, you know, 20, 30-year relationship. And uh, that's actually very important for us. And we have a group right now out of Dubai who um, I guess we've been talking to them for uh, probably a year and a half or so. And they just made their first commitment. And uh, really, we were hoping to meet face-to-face, but they're in Dubai and we're not. It's a little bit complicated. We're going to be in Dubai in November, actually. Um, But, you know, it took a year and a half, and it was all by phone and... You know, so sometimes it takes longer, and but that's all I would say. You know, within six months to a year, typically. That's good, board. It's
0: something that Tim shared uh, brought another thought: is we certainly want to work with like-minded people. Uh, but Tim also pointed out that we want to work with people who could contribute to the specific initiative. You know, so for example, we've just gone vertical here in Fort Worth, and of course we we do it nationally. But the the one of the uh, sponsors here is actually from Fort Worth and had worked with the city before and uh, helped us with uh, TRWD and Army Corps of Engineers. So they had a lot to contribute uh, on the specific initiative that we were doing here in Fort Worth. So um, and you know we had a, a a connection in regards to their character.
1: Good point. Tim, anything that time?
2: Uh, just you know, again, kind of continuing that that point of view. I think the best the best capital partner is somebody who does have something to contribute. Um, if if we're uh, to go back to oil and gas, if we're going into say the Bakken in North Dakota, where maybe that hasn't been our historical footprint, we're going to want to team up with somebody. Particularly, that's putting Kaplan with us. That really knows that market, really knows that rock in this case, knows what works for the development of those types of fields, knows the compliance environment. You know, a lot of those types of things. Which, of course, with consultants or expertise, you can and in research, you can get to that point. But having somebody who's already been through it, there's there's really that strategic element, and so that's that's going to be one of the biggest things we look for, is that strategic element.
1: Okay. Um, since we're all up here today for a purpose, um, could you take a few moments and describe your perfect deal and what you're looking? I you have categorized it, but can you be a little more specific? Do you want to start?
3: We haven't found our perfect deal yet. <laughs> um, we find a lot of good ones. I mean, uh, we, I mean, if I was to say we, we want uh, typically Class A assets. It could be Class B depending on the area, but we're really looking at Class A. Um, we want a high cap rate going in, in-place metrics, uh, true cap rate. You know. 8 would be on the lower end, 9 we like, 10 we start to like it a lot more. Um, but we're not going to pay 200 bucks a square foot for that. We want to come in um, quite a bit under market. And, and uh, uh, there was an article that was just written in uh, something we picked up in Memphis. Um, great asset. It was uh, CBD. It's I think we got it at a 9 or 10 cap. But th- the article was saying Group RMC purchased this asset. It wasn't a huge asset. It, we put it as part of a portfolio. But we picked it up for 14 million. And, um, and occupancy has been moving up the previous, uh, buyer had purchased it for 28 million. So we bought it significant th- th- his price could have been totally out to, you know, it doesn't mean their price. It's not indicative, but we did buy it at about 60% to dis- discount to replacement costs. So we want to buy in a discount. We want to buy a high cap rate. We want to see an upside. We'd rather buy something with a really good cap rate, you know, at 70% occupied so we can get all the value add component too. That's sort of our perf in a really, in a growing area. That's really what we're looking for. We've done it a lot of times. Um, it's getting tougher to find those deals. And now it comes down to relationships. Um, we bought off Blackstone and some other big groups who have massive portfolios. So right. we become a preferred buyer. Without that, it's very tough in the markets we're in. We just have that scale now. Okay. Right.
0: I don't know what I would add uh, except to say that we also look to uh, work in underserved markets. You know, so we, we go All to right. second-tier markets. We uh, one of our amenities that we offer is uh, training, coaching, and development for our residents. So we we you know, for example, in Atlanta, we'd like to be in areas where. Uh, the population does not have access to those sorts of tools in our absence. so, in, in addition to deal structure um, and market caps, uh, being in an area where we could actually serve the people that are there is, is also meaningful to us.
1: Right, Tim, can you address the energy side, please? What you're looking for? Sure.
0: In just even more broadly,
2: I'd say that um, what uh, you know, what what I hear a lot internally is that you know, first and foremost, we're risk managers. So as you can imagine, you know, this is a fourth generation family office, so. The strategies and the deployment of capital isn't so much the get rich mentality as much as stay rich. So the concept for us is typically going into existing developments or properties or businesses that have that baseline that have some level of upside associated with it. But we're not trying to go in there and say take the oil and gas, discover the next major well as much as drill the next 20 wells in an existing field or in any other form of business, can we expand by deploying more equipment, opening up new, new new service lines, new areas of operation. And so it's really a growth capital scenario most right. of the time these days. Uh, does that mean that we wouldn't look at a ground up, you know, real estate development under the right circumstances? We would, but I'd say we definitely lean more towards uh value add or acquiring other properties that may have additional room for development on them. Uh, so that's kind of been the I guess the ideal scenario a lot when it's come down to the direct investment side.
1: Okay, great. I'm going to turn it over to the audience right now. Um, do you have any questions for this group? Anyone? No? Well a little bit what I've heard today is that parting with family officers or new investors takes a little patience. Um, you want to pick relationships, not just the capital. So your strategies are uh, very methodical and patient. It sounds like, and I think that's what we've discovered too. Working with a new new family office or current family office or a new investor is really about perseverance and patience. So, we have more questions. Body, you. you spoke about the group in Dubai that took you a year, year and a half, in order to cultivate that relationship. I'm just. Curious as to the frequency of the interaction—were they contacting you, are you contacting them—and for some of us who are new, trying to uh, be, uh, try to raise capital through family office or other private investment, what is that frequency that is acceptable to somebody in your position, so you're not inundating them and overwhelming them uh, with information, given the amount that's coming through their inbox?
3: Yeah, I think that's—you know—we're not—we're not great at marketing. We don't do any marketing, actually. So usually uh, a group like that and we have a number of of, uh, investors out of the Middle East and pretty much all over the world at this point but they've typically I mean the source right they've heard from us from another investor who they know well so if we didn't know them at all if it wasn't referred to us this thing could take 10 years or never happen right. So I would say a year and a half was actually quick and because it was a warm referral right it helps. Um, that we I mean we just the first our process is typically let's jump on the phone with somebody let's let's see what they're looking for is this even a good fit Th- this is our story this is what's your business all about is this what you're looking for if you think it's a good fit we'll send you our next deal if you like it you want more information we'll send you another deal if you want to come on a trip to visit the assets uh, we'll try and set that up for you well we're I would say we're a very very transparent group we'll Give them access to the data room. Uh, the more information they know, we're proud of what we do. So, the more information we can give out, the better to the right people, to right groups. And we basically ask them, how do you want to stay in touch? You want us to send you our deals? You want uh, give us a call when you have questions? This one in particular, uh, I was in London a couple of weeks ago and I was trying to meet them in London because they do business in London. We couldn't meet, so we did a phone call. And I said, well, we've been talking for a while. How interested are you guys? And they say, very. We just want to know. What deal to come in on? So, well, that's not tough. That's, that's an easy one. We could just figure out the next. So, uh, I think the best thing to do in our experience is just ask them how, how often do you want us to stay in touch? Do you want to call us, us, call you, send you? Ask them. It's not the same for everybody. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Any thoughts,
0: Jacques? Sometimes I find that um, having a schedule where you, you create interest. And then you give them the space to find out if, if they're responding or if you need to take them the next action. That gives you the knowledge of knowing where they're at. So if they don't respond to you, then you say, OK, so the ball's in my court. I need to take the next action. What would, that act, what would a meaningful action be? And just always engage with them and then, and then find out from them what, what their next action is before you take one. And then after a while, ask them, so what would you like my next action to be
3: um, is, is very helpful. I think just blasting out a bunch of emails to people every quarter. I mean, who want? I mean, how many emails does everybody get? It's way too many emails. So here's, here's our 80 page deal. Let me know what you think. N- no one's looking at that stuff, right? It's, uh, I mean, re- realistic. I don't.
1: Good point. Very good point. John?
3: We're
0: actually working with a large investor where um, we've sent them the deal. And uh, we met with the CEO a week ago and uh, he had, no knowledge of any of the deal points he's coming to the table saying we'd like to close this deal and you know what would be the deal points and we kind of looked at each other we're like well we sent them to you and he's oh i don't read email i just i'm just ready to do business with you guys you guys have the deal points now so we we reviewed them there live at the meeting after having you know he had asked prior so we we had sent them the deal points but they don't they don't look at the what you (laughs) said
1: good point and I'm, Tim, I want to bring something up that you brought up earlier, which is, is very true. Uh, family offices characteristically aren 't into opportunistic deals; they sometimes talk about it, but uh, being in a single family office is something about managing risk and never never lose the money <laughs> if you will correct isn 't that what you're really what you 're saying
2: yeah, very much so. I mean it, you know opportunistic uh, obviously can be be viewed in a number of different directions. I think we are opportunistic investors in the sense that the people let's just take oil and gas again know that we're able to move quick for certain opportunities that we may know or a particular basin or a market that we're active in and so people will know in this last down cycle you know we weren't going and signing cas and and you know barreling through data rooms we primarily were just looking for relationship driven deal flow that was even special circumstance that they know that we could come to the table on but of course they've we're getting it at a discount or we're doing something that makes it worthwhile. Um, at the end of the day, though, we're not necessarily, look. you know, if somebody's that we don't know coming to us with a situation that's got to move quick, that's usually a non-starter, you know. We're not going to take the time to dive into something unless it's specific to an area that we're in or a particular business that it could be a bolt-on to or a portfolio company. Um, but back to the deal side, you know, how to get family offices' attention. I mean, of course, I hear that a lot at events. Um from direct deal people to fund managers. And yeah, I mean, we get, um, you know, in terms of new deal flow, 100, 200 type of, between funds and direct deals and the like a week. Um, and so we do have a system in terms of how that intake occurs. But back to the relationship-driven dri- side, I mean, all you should be upfront about that, but we do like to be at we – seg- we segment our deal flow across the asset classes and even subclasses so we can go back and look at things that have happened and say, okay, what, what was going on with these guys a year ago? Okay, I can look back at that project. I can look back at their – performance and it allows us to kind of see things move along from that direction. So yeah, the downside to a family office partner is that they can be very much slower in some cases in terms of being able to get out there or to manage that. I think you're typically going to get a straight answer though, so you know if it's worthwhile to allocate your time to that relationship, they themselves, us particularly, don't have a lot of time to waste, so we're gonna typically save some things a non-starter for us, but at the same time, we look to track and follow along with a number of different assets or managers, and. Of course, we're hoping to be able to continue to identify relationships that we can go long-term. I like when I hear things like 80% of our investors are going into each deal. Well, that obviously says that something's working and it's it's a long-term relationship. None of what we're looking for is going to be a short-term return or gain. So it really needs to be something that we feel we can go the distance with. And trying to build new relationships takes time. So yeah, you, know, you can't just go out there and try to do with everybody expecting to be a quick turnover.
1: Very true we got a few more minutes yet. Any additional questions? No? But I think I want to summarize. You've heard some great, great feedback. Uh, one, take your time, be perseverant, uh, keep it simple, and manage your risk is probably the best feedback we could provide. I want to thank everybody. Could you please give a round of applause to the panelists, please?